my dad said, Hey, you know, actually how much are we producing from this, this spot? We need to, to make a statement of maybe people can grow their own food, take charge of what they're putting into their body and go back to like the victory gardens of old. So he he said, Hey, you know, let's weigh everything that we harvest that comes in. And so we did. And that was in 2001. And at the end of the year, we tallied it. It was, um, it was over 2000 pounds of food. And we were shocked because we were, we just couldn't believe that a ton of food could come from the backyard. So we were, we were like, yeah, maybe it was just anomaly. Maybe somebody cooked the books. Or something like that. <laughs> so we did it the next year and it was 3000 pounds. We're like, oh, so then, then four, then it was five and then six. And then our, our record was 2010 of 7,000 pounds of food off this property. On the Healthy Human Revolution podcast, Dr. Lori Marbus interviews nutrition and lifestyle medicine experts and extraordinary guests whose informative and inspiring stories will empower you with the knowledge to transform your life and health. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marbus, and today I'm so excited to welcome from the Urban Homestead and the Easter Vase. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us from, it looks like, sunny Pasadena. It is, unfortunately, I have to say, scarily sunny and warm and dry. So we're very wow. concerned about that. But it is a beautiful day, but it is a dry and warm day. It <laughs> shouldn't be dry and warm. So, <laughs> Which I think we may get into speaking about climate change. But first of all, for those of you um, who aren't aware, this is about a project that started with your dad, Jules. It's mm -hmm. called the Urban Homestead. Can you give us just a little background before we dive deep into everything that you're doing? Okay, yes, sure. Might have to take a couple podcasts, but um, so <laughs> basically, if you're not familiar with the story, but it started off after, well, our fa well, let's go back a little bit. Our, my grandfather and my great-great-grandfather always liked to grow things. So we always, in the family, we, had, we call the green jeans. Uh, back in, in um, Belgium, we had the Dervais nursery. So we were always around plants. My grandfather had a beautiful yard in Florida surrounded by plants. And then my dad, after in 69, after graduating from college, he was dissatisfied with everything because there was a, the assassination, the Vietnam War. So he was looking for an alternative way of life. And he immigrated to New Zealand to Homestead. And um, that's where I was born. He, my dad had a homestead there in the, in the early 70s. He had uh, bees, he had goats, chickens, drank rainwater, uh, had an outhouse. So he, he, that's for about two years he lived there. And then he came back to the States, had 10, 10 acres in Florida, which he also farmed. We had bees, we had a massive garden, we had a goat and, and things like that. So, and then in um, 84, he came out here to go to theology school. We brought our country fried ways with us. And then, uh, so in this, in 85, we purchased this house trading our 10 acres for a 10th of an acre. And immediately, you know, we planted a garden in the backyard and then the rest is history. In 89, we did the front yard and then, yeah. So, it's, so been, I, it's been a journey ever since. So. so 10 acres to a 10th of an acre. Can yes. you give us the foot dimensions sure. of what that would so be? So if an acre equals a dollar, we're growing on 10 cents. That's, that's minus, I'm, I'm saying 10th as in terms of growing space, which right. actually is a fifth of an acre, but that's, you have to minus the house, the driveway, the garage. So, so in terms of growing space, it's a 10 cents. 
And then how many acre or how many pounds, excuse me, of produce do you produce a year? Okay, so that's a good question. We started weighing it. So the, the thing was in 2000, we that, you know, that scare with the corn, it got into the food system. So we had already a big garden in the back. We had edible landscaping in the front. We were already selling our produce to restaurants and caterers. But we really didn't know like how much we were producing. So after the GM, GMO scare, our dad said, hey, you know, actually, how much are we producing from this, this spot? We need to, to make a statement of maybe people can grow their own food, take charge of what they're putting into their body and go back to like the victory gardens of old. So he, he said, hey, you know, let's weigh everything that we harvest that comes in. And so we did. And that was in 2001. And at the end of the year, we tallied it. It was a... Um, it was over 2000 pounds of food and we were shocked because we were, we just couldn't believe that a ton of food could come from the backyard. So we were like, yeah, maybe it was just anomaly. Maybe somebody cooked the books. Something like that. <laughs> so we did it the next year and it was 3000 pounds. We're like, oh, so then, then four, then it was five and then six. And then our, our record was 2010 of 7,000 pounds of food off this property. Then, the drought came and then we got busy. We, we had, um, we were started traveling with our film homegrown revolution. So we weren't here. I mean, we were still eating and selling our produce, but we weren't weighing as much. So that was what, you know, we got known for was a 7,000 pounds on a 10th of an acre. Wow. And you're vegetarian and you, when I was reading is like $2 a day is, is like 90% yeah, of so your that, diet. That was, yeah. That was stats was, well, that was done. I actually have to update our stats. That was done about 10 years ago. Okay. So, but we still buy staples as like rice, flour, um, what else? Noodles, stuff like that. So we are okay. buying staples. That that maybe is a, with the economy might be a little bit more than it was ten years ago. The stats I right. Know, so. right. But we're still low. I mean, we barely we really eat simply. I mean, our meals are very you know simple uh, porridge like in the morning with some sort of fruit. And then salad and, you know, stir fried vegetables in the day. Um, if we might skip that meal, then it's salad and stir fry for the evening. So, <laughs> so is you're because you're so busy working, I'm sure. Can yeah. you tell us what kind of foods you're growing on? Yeah. So right now, if you look out the yard, I'm looking at it right now. So it's beautiful. It's like a sea of green. Uh, we have arugulas, broccolis, kales, mustards, dandelions radishes, onions, and then herbs. So we have dill, parsley, mints. Uh, we have some tree, tree collards growing and uh, we're harvesting Jerusalem artichokes that we grew in the summer. So, wow. and, and what else? Oh, some citrus coming in. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, snow peas and yeah, so much stuff, but yeah. That's oh a my example. goodness. Yeah. So, and then, so your dad started this Mm -hmm. And you guys grew up this way and all three of you are still partaking. Yes. Yes. We are still, <laughs> we're still involved. It is a family. When people say, what do you do? I say, it is a family farm. It, it I mean, we might not have a hundred acres in the middle of, you know, in the middle of America, but it is a family run operation and it's wow. still a family run farm. And I feel that it is, it's just a smaller scale. So besides growing the food, what other projects and what other services do you provide? So we have a lot. So um, we have chickens and ducks for, for the eggs. We, we have bees, but we only have like one hive for pollination. 
we have more hives, but they're off site. So we have some friends of ours up in the hills that we put our, our bees in uh, on to pollinate and to keep them away from you know the city. Um, we offer programs like workshops and um, in our garage space here, we have open mic nights, we have farm dinners. On Sunday, we had a group of scouts come through here to learn a, to get a badge about um, bee, um, I forget what their badges was about, but they learned about honey and bees. And so we, get, we um, they love that because we have like an observation hive. So I'm very passionate about um, teaching the kids because for the last six years, I've been teaching the school, um, teaching after school program with a school next door. Uh, we call it the farm to table program, which I've been involved in. I wrote up um, 15 sessions for, uh, for the whole year and they've hired me year after year to do that with the kids after school. That is really cool. So what are you teaching the, the kiddos specifically about? Um, so it's an hour class. And so what I did was it's very hands-on. It's very tangible when we eat something. So for instance, when we talk about, let's say we have, I call it the chicken and the egg clash. So we bring out the hens, they sit with the hens in their lap. We talk about that for, you know, if you were a, a factory or if you were a hen for meat or for eggs, you'd live, you know, your entire life on a piece of paper and, you know, their eyes get big. And so we talk about, you know, where our food comes from. Um, and then we enjoy something that, uh, that I've made with the eggs, either a pudding or I made an egg salad. And then for instance, another class is making jam. Uh, if we do honey, we'll have some honey candy. So we learn stuff. We, I quiz them about, you know, like if our honeybees native to America, yes or no. And then we go into how honeybees are important. And then we go into enjoying something like that's made with honey. So it's, they get a whole encompassing educational, um, you know, and then something edible. Do they ever come to uh, the farm? Yes, they do. We have them, they walk across the street and they come to the, to the farm. So, yeah. And what grades are you teaching? It's uh, middle school. So middle school. Uh, probably fifth through seventh, I think. They awesome. Are, so. And it was so popular that a couple of the kids repeated and I'm like, well, they're the Aww. same lessons and they're like, but we love it anyway. So they came year after year. So that was really nice. I think it's amazing that you're teaching the kids that really is our yeah, future it is special it, i have parents come up to me and they just said you know after your class the kids are just like da, 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 miss annie said this miss annie Aww. you know and they're just so and they're talking about what they learned and it makes me feel really good that you know that th that something went inside and they're actually excited to talk to their parents about it and and um so that that's my i, I enjoy that a lot Absolutely. So yeah. tell us a little bit about the three of you. I'm mm -hmm. sorry to about your daddy passed a few yeah, years back. Yeah, sudden it was, nothing could have been done about it. It was, it, he was there, he was talking to my sister and then he wasn't. So oh. it was just a sudden thing. Um, okay. Yeah, we're all sad about that. But <laughs> yeah. Goes on, so. yeah. So tell me what are each of your individual or group efforts to get, keep the farm going on a day-to-day -day basis like can you tell us a little bit about each of your days or your day yeah it's I wear many hats so um for instance today was farm box day so it was getting um we have how many how many farm boxes Justin 70 farm boxes today are that are going out um and people are picking them up uh yeah right now so they just gonna got they just got put on the farm uh, front porch and people will be picking them up. So it's that managing the interns. So we have interns now, so that come through, sign in, we give them tasks to do. Um, 
Today was uh, finishing up making marmalade. I also cook. I am a, I get paid to cook some for some people. So I, I make soups and um, cornbread and some other things for an art studio. So I go, um, they get, they, they pay me to make like food from the garden. So which is wow. nice. So I did that today in between everything else, answering emails, cleaning up dishes, <laughs> feeding the chickens. <laughs> oh so, my goodness. Yeah, everything. So. And so then you also have the cultivating, the harvesting, the planting. Yes. Is it, I mean, is that, is that just an ongoing process? Is there certain seasons where you're located or can you just rotate what it's, your cro crops are doing? With us being in SoCal, it's, we're growing 20, it's 365 days a year. We're growing something. So, wow. yeah, so the, we, we do like successive planting. So this morning we had some of the interns, they were, they were doing soil blocks and they were already planting the summer crops already. So we're always high production, just getting through and um, always something is growing and we're tweaking, fine tuning the, the place of, um, cause unfortunately with the drought, we lost some of our fruit trees. So this year we're like, you know what, let's try the fruit trees again. So we got some fruit trees and we, we planted those. And so we're always trying to, you know, it's a challenge because with the climate changing and just everything changing, we're always trying to tweak things. Mm. Some years are good. Some years are bad. Um, well, not bad, just some years are just, just like, uh, whatever. Um, so, and then we planted our bare root strawberries, 500 plants. Um, yeah, so it's just never ending. There's always something going on and we're, we're trying to get better. We're trying to, you know, tweak things and sort of maybe add something uh, more rain. Uh, we're thinking about doing some hugel mounds in the front yard and some bioswales, which are capturing, um, like a way of capturing water and moisture to keep the soil. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at that. We're actually working with the city of Pasadena to maybe host some of those workshops here. So oh, wow. um, yeah, there's always something going on. Goodness gracious. So, and then as far as, so when you're growing up, mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to know what it's like as a kid. So tell us a little bit about what maybe your friends, I don't know, were you homeschooled or did you go to public school? I did. I was homeschooled. Um, I came out here and I was enrolled in a private school for a year because um, my dad was like, well, maybe, you know, we're not teaching her up to speed. Let's just try this school. And I was bored. So, um, and wanted to go back home and, and do my stuff. So uh, I did get one year of, of, of private schooling. But, so, yeah, so we were homeschooled uh, as a kid. So that's a good question. I am, when people come for tours and we have school groups in here, I believe it's um, about telling your story, your personal mm. story. So yes, it was a challenge. Uh, it, at that time, homeschooling was illegal. So for oh, us, wow. oh yeah. So for me, now it's like homeschool, my, my friends homeschool, everybody homeschools, there's homeschool groups, it's all. And so for me, it's like at that, that time in, in my life, it was your parents, you know, what your parents did were, was illegal. So that's still like a PTSD sort of thing where you, you know, you weren't smart enough, you're not good enough because homeschooling was illegal and, and frowned upon. Hmm. Um, it was a challenge for moving here from 10 acres to a, here in Pasadena because, you know, 10 acres, you can do, you can, you can be, you know, different. And here we had neighbors. And for me, I was, I was a, I was a teenager. And um, I remember, and I tell this story, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I'm not ashamed to tell it, but uh, when my dad decided, hey, let's take 
let's remove the grass and plant food in the front yard. And we mulched it and, and the neighbors came over and we're just like, what are you doing? I'm like, dad, you know, I know you can do things in the backyard, but man, can you not embarrass us in the front yard? Cause people are watching us, you know? But, um, but then he was like, you know what? No, plant wildflowers. And of course that, I was like, well, yes, I love wildflowers. So I, I planted wildflowers and it became beautiful. And then everybody forgot about the brown time. So, <laughs> so but I was like, dad, yeah, you know, kind of embarrassing. I know, you know, but the neighbors are looking at us, but yeah, so that was a challenge for, as a teenager, you're trying to fit in, you know, especially with, you know, we were eating healthy more than, you know, our neighbors or our peers. Um, we were, we would go to secondhand stores to get our clothes where the kids in the neighborhood, they got new Nikes and they kind of looked down at us and like, where'd you get your shoes? Hmm. Um, so yeah, it was a challenge as a kid to just be counterculture. Mm-hmm. But then it was, so with us being homeschooled, we were allowed to explore, to expand our minds on our own. So we went to the library, we read books after books, and I was into herbs, and I started reading the environmental books. So my first book I remember was Diet for New America. Ah. Yes. And I was like, oh, so dad's crazy, you know, granola, hippy-dippy. He's on to something. He's not so, yeah. And so then it became, <laughs> yeah, then it became mine. And then I think I remember End of Nature. That was the two books that came out that time, Diaphragm and then and the Nature. And then a light bulb went in my head that, oh, okay. And so then it became my journey. Um, so then I started trying to, so like I said, we had new, with, with being homeschooled, it was like, dad, can we put in solar panels? Sure, go ahead. Dad, can we make biodiesel? Yeah, fine. Dad, can we do this? Can we look? And so we started, let's try to make this more sustainable and so um, we were allowed to do that. And that's what made the homestead, um, all the elements that we came in. My sister wanted to bring in the chickens and the ducks and the goats and uh, brother kept, um, kept uh, bees. And so, yeah, it was wow. through that homeschool out of the box uh, mentality. We just, if we wanted to do something, it was like, yeah, go ahead, do it. And so that was, that was nice about when we grew up, even though there was challenges, it was, there was no that you could not not do if you want to do it go do it learn it and do it so So these are mostly external challenges versus inside the home and everything you guys were free to explore and expand your thoughts and your experiences yeah so it was anything you know I like to cook I cooked I want to do herbs yes go ahead do that so we were just encouraged to do that and so that's um, that's why the elements of the homestead because I I got interested in biodiesel I was like what is this let's make our fuel and so what we would do is we presented at lunch, like, hey, check this out. There's a way you can make fuel on your And then my brother's like, oh, cool. And then he went to go find a car. And so we sort of, it was like a family effort. My brother went to look for the car, the diesel car. I contacted the lady to make the reactor. Um, and then when we made our cob, up, cob oven, I contacted the guy and said, hey, let's make a cob oven. So it was, it was, it was fun. What's a cob oven? Cob oven, it was made, we made one of those earthen ovens. Oh, okay. So, yeah, to make gotcha. like pizzas and bread in the outdoors. Oh, fantastic. So now do any of you have children married? Does any, how does that work? That is, that is still a challenge. Um, <laughs> here in LA, I think it's, um, we haven't had children yet. I would like some, but it's just, I haven't found that person. They just either think, I don't know. They just don't get this lifestyle in a sense. 
Um, yeah, so that's a, it's I, ha I have seen people. It just never works out, unfortunately. So we'll see. We'll we'll keep we'll keep hoping for that. Well, you're absolutely gorgeous. So I don't see Thank what's you. wrong with these people. So. <laughs> That's what people, that's what my friends say, but it, I don't know, either just the, the guys in LA are just um, non-committal or something. I don't know. Don't ask me. I've, I've tried, I've tried to understand. I'm like, what is, um, what is like, and they think, oh, I think they also think that, and maybe it is, they think, oh, she wants a farmer, but you know, I'm just cool. If you're a kind person, you're compassionate, you're, you're a human that knows that you have faults and you have, you know things it's like hey we're cool let's just try it out but awesome yeah, we'll, we'll, to be to be to be determined on that gotcha tbd it is yeah it, it is i so hopefully yeah we'll see I, 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 I am seeing somebody at this point but we'll see <laughs> nothing certain yet <laughs> yeah. oh goodness yeah. well you know so there's so much that you mentioned that i mean by and we could talk for an hour just on how to make your own fuel i mean that blows my mind yeah. i just it's incredible so there are things that your dad kind of he's mentioned in that on your website there's a little bit of a history about him mm -hmm. and he mentions these 10 elements so then right. i found the 10 elements on your website uh -huh. and those are growing food alternative energy energy sources alternative fuels and transport holistic farm animals waste solutions water reclamation living simply do it yourself home economy and giving back oh my goodness there's like 10 hours of talk right there so yeah. can you tell us a little bit about maybe what your favorite one is or the ones that you really feel are the most important or maybe they're all important i don't know how would you describe the 10 elements because those are fantastic yes um i think those are all important growing your food having a you know uh solar panels conserving those are all important i think the most important is and what i tell people we're not just growing food or sustainable way of life we're growing community the community aspect, if you've ever come to the homestead, if you ever had a, you know, far, you've been here for a farm to table or a workshop or one of our, our music nights, there have been so many people who have been touched and moved by just being here. We live here on a daily basis. It's like right in our face and we don't maybe, and, and sometimes you have to leave to appreciate, you know, what we're seeing. We, I just see, what I see is, oh, I have to, you know, clean this, work that, you know, I see all the I have to's or needs to be done. But when people from the outside come here, they just, they say it's just like a haven for them. It's um, to connect over good food, uh, somebody across the, the table, to um, just to connect and share. I think that's important, what people are, are losing, especially now, is that human connection, um, you know, to, if, if they were on Facebook, these people would not be friends, but they are talking here mm. at our place across the table. Um, and so that's an important element. And then there's, you know, organic people are standing up playing music and people are singing along and it's, and there's no division between, oh, well, you're a musician, you're not. Everybody can sing, everybody can join and it's an inclusion, um, your family here. And I think that's the important, I think that's the most important thing of how we connect home to ourselves we center ourselves when we come home it's a centering thing um and it's it's just you, you find safety and shelter and 
any connection when you come home and you ground yourself here and and we open that up to the community and so i think that's the most important thing i think so all of those elements kind of build into a sanctuary of sorts for people mm -hmm. yeah in education when the kids come here I, that you know this is the first time some of them have actually even seen a real life sun living sunflower wow and their face is just like you know and then um and just connecting them to like yeah this is this is our home this is what we do here and um it, it's it's pretty powerful one of the little girls i remember she, she was so cute she was i think it was kindergarten and after the tour she said miss annie's or she kind of pulled me over this is the most beautifulest place in the whole wide world and i was just like that's you know, I mean, my 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 adult brain was like, "Kid, you haven't been around," but I was like, <laughs> you know, I was like, "Yeah," but you know, it's that adult thing, like, "Yeah, right." But for in her eyes, this was magical, and that magical moment in time where she just was exposed to so much beauty and joy, and 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 just a whole new world was to her. So that's that's what I think is important. Of just. Um, I wish more people could do that in their homes and just open it up to people. It's not just theirs. It's, it's a community. It's a community effort. We can't do it alone. We need people. We need neighbors. We need our, you know, and we're blessed that we live in the city of Pasadena. I mean, they love us. We love them. The city officials come over here. They love what we're doing. We're going to do stuff with them. So it's important to grow and nurture, um, not only yourself, but those around you. Absolutely. I mean, that little girl, I mean, you never know those moments that you were able to share with her, what that'll lead to in the future. I mean, these are your future leaders of our country yeah. and mm -hmm. your, yeah. your community. It's pretty, mm -hmm. that is really cool. Kids are amazing. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about the, um, as far as like water reclamation and mm -hmm. waste solutions. And so I'm curious, how, how do you deal with the waste or stuff at home where you are? Are you, I'm sure you're composting and all that stuff. Can you describe a little bit about what that looks like? Sure. So we have um, compost piles for the kitchen waste. Uh, we have three compost piles. We have chickens too, which are also excellent composting systems. Um, as for the like uh, the water, we have gray water. Hmm. So for instance, our tub water leaches out into a gray water system and waters subsurfacely some part of the back garden. The city of Pasadena, um, offers a, a laundry to landscape rebate system. So they're actually going in and installing for free gray water systems in people's home to take the laundry water to put out into your, um, into your landscape. Of course, wow. it has to be subsurface. There are some rules. You have to right. use some certain soaps. You have to have it go under because you can't have it standing above ground. It can't be touching anything like lettuces or things you eat, you know, lettuce leaf that you eat. It works best on trees or um things like herbs like lavender and rosemary where it's there's nothing touching that you're going to ingest gotcha. uh, so the city of pasadena does is doing that so that's our waste thing we recycle we, we reclaim we repurpose um so yeah that's that's i think that's all our composting yeah compost a lot we have so much soil we're just like we joke we're growing up in the world because in our in, we're actually two feet higher in some spots than our neighbors in our yard. Mm -hmm. Oh wow! Because we have so much soil buildup. Wow! So composting, composting, mulching, composting. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So. 
So when you're telling us that you like to cook, what are some of your favorite recipes or things that you make from home? So um, I am known for my soups. So people like my soups. I make vegan soups. So I make my own veggie broth without all the extra vegetables. I cook that down. One of the favorite ones that everybody loves is the rustic split pea soup. I used mm. to work at a cafe, my friend's cafe, and that was a favorite of the uh, people that came into the cafe and and it's favorite of people here. I enjoy making uh, salads, you know, with different things, uh, blood oranges, radishes mixing, that's a thing. Salad dressings are another one of my favorite. Um, let's see what else, there's so much. Mm, what is my favorite thing? I do, um, wow, that's a good question. I think the soups are, what is my favorite thing that you guys, that I make that you like? Food-wise, oh. what am I known for? Uh, soup, yeah, see soup. <laughs> I guess soup, that's it. So that's my brother said soup. So Sounds like you need to start your own soup line. Oh, right, peach cobbler, yes. I am known for my peach oh, cobbler. Yeah. Peach cobbler, yeah. that sounds delicious. Right. I love peach cobbler, oh my goodness. And as far as what would you feel like have been the greatest struggles for you? So we've talked a lot about everything you guys do. What do you feel is like the biggest struggle that people may not realize, or maybe it is one of the struggles we would think about? Well, um, that's a good question. Of course, grief after our dad died, actually it was a very challenging year. Not only did our dad die, but we lost um, Blackberry and, and, and Fairlight, which were our two goats. They also oh. passed away of old age. And then, we lost uh, a musician and his wife that would come. We would have these, let's back up a little. We would have these Sunday night hoots, hoot nannies in our backyard. So we would have local musicians come. And so starting in, um, so we lost a musician and his wife in a car crash, a horrible car crash. Then um, my dad died and then another musician died and then another one and then another one. So in that one year, it was a, it was a, it was a challenging year for us. So with the grief of losing the animals and close fr friends and, and our dad, it, it was, um, that was a rough year. And I'm just getting out of that. I don't know if it was grief, depression sort of thing. It was, um, it was a challenge because it was a lot, bur a burden. Now, you know, for us, we lost our dad, which is a father. We lost the business and then the, the, the face behind the, or I guess the homestead sort of thing. And so we had to all fill those roles really fast. Um, and so that was a challenge for us. And I think, you know, people say grief never really goes away. Um, that's still, I see, I still see, you know, cause they were part of our family. I still see the musicians in our backyard. I still hear them certain, you know, we still, cause we were such a big, we were such a close family. Um, and it would affected not just us, it was the whole community. So I, I felt, I felt the grief of the whole community, you know, and mm -hmm. you know, involved in, in what we were dealing with. Um, one of my personal challenges is just keeping everything running. It's, it's a challenge to organize, to, to be like the brains, but then to, 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 to you know, clean up after yourself, you know, <laughs> um, organize and sort. And, and with a small property, it's a challenge to, to just have all the, all the different elements, all the different projects. So organizing, I, I, I think I blogged about that many years ago. I said, for me as a homesteading person, organization is one of my most challenging uh, things I can, because I can tackle mm -hmm. the projects. It's just 
where you know where did my all my you know hundreds of canning yarns go and where does all this go where does my all my yarn go and the fabric that I save from all these people and my and I'm like oh you know so it's a challenge of organization for me so storage and yeah yeah storage and we want to save everything we don't want to waste so we're like oh we'll save that piece of wood because maybe we'll use it <laughs> and my brother's like yeah but where are we gonna put in because we don't have like that you know I, I I envy people who have that you know property that has like a junk pit in the back you know and it's like they just pile the stuff there I was like can't do that here so right I, I miss that sort of like where we can store all the stuff that we might use and in <laughs> one day and we do so sometimes we're like yeah I'm glad we didn't throw that away so how do you inventory everything? Do you, do you have something like that? Or is it just like you guys just know? Yeah, so is? that is a good question. So to do that, um, one of our friends, she moved to, um, she was a volunteer and she was a friend. She lived two doors down. So um, she moved back to Washington. So she, so we started farming in her front yard and using her, garage for storage so we have like a second little place down the, down the uh, uh, gotcha. to do the she had a big garage so we started using her garage about three years. oh no i keep saying three it's probably enough more like five years ago yeah oh wow so that's helpful yeah, that's helpful before you know you'll have a homesteading block <laughs> that, that's the goal that's what people, people come and they're like yeah you know you should just take over i'm like yeah come. You, you know if you do you know what prices of these houses go for you know it's oh. so yeah they're like these little these houses mm -hmm. they're, they're it's pretty pricey so. wow as far as the biodiesel so uh -huh. do all of your you guys literally make the fuel for all of your vehicles or? um we have one diesel car and that okay. diesel will fuel that diesel car yes wow that's incredible so how does that work like how do you do that so one of the catering companies that we that we sell to they fry stuff i don't know french fries or whatever so they go and then they they have to because oil is like a waste it's a it's like a waste you can't just dump it in the trash so they have to re when after they fry they put them back into those big like plastic containers and then when they're done when they're the used grease they'll just bring it here and my my brother will take the used grease and make biodiesel out of it i mean it's a there's a reaction process you have to mix lye in it and some methanol then you there's a separation glycerin goes to the top the biodiesel goes to the bottom that's your fuel so oh, wow. biodiesel can run in any diesel car without conversion wow yeah. and then because there's a there's the svo which is the the straight vegetable oil, but you convert your car. So we're converting the oil, not our car. If we wanted to do SVO, you do like a, you'd like trick out your car a little bit to do this just straight veggie oil, and then you can run a diesel car on straight veggie oil. Oh, that's amazing. So then, what do you do with the the glycerin that you said that the glycerin can be composted or used to, to like degreaser? Because oh, wow. it is used, it is used grease, so it's not like clean, but right. it's it's um, it's glycerin, so we can, we compost it or Sometimes if he uses like a degreaser soap. Okay. To go and do that, yeah. Wow. And so have you had any neighbors actually take on your way of living and, and actually follow your footsteps? Um, yes. Yeah. So we have some neighbors, because everybody works on this block. So I noticed that they're doing more because passing is encouraging it. Passing encourages people to take out their lawns and they'll pay them $2 a square foot. 
So because of that, yeah. So a lot of our neighbors have taken out their front lawn and put in natives or yeah. Some, yeah, or just some rock garden and things like that. So yes, thanks to the city of Pasadena is encouraging us to be, you know, not using, you know, because grass is useless and it costs, there's nothing you can get from that. So the city of Pasadena has a rebate program for that. So, and then as far as any, have you noticed any changes? Like when you go into where you are, does it feel more humid? Like a little bit of a different of a microclimate? Because I've, I've seen things like that. Yeah. In other documentaries. It is, it is. People know, have told us that it smells different here. It feels different here. Mm. I always wanted to do like a measuring thing with like some sort of like reading, but I've ne- you know, never got around to that. I thought about maybe asking Caltech because they're just mm. would like, hey, yeah. send one of your students to kind of do a meter reading here. But people have, they said that it feels different here. The air is cleaner because of all the plants. Mm. There's something that, you know, if you go in the inner city where the where a lot of cars are, you come here. There's a there is definitely a shift in in some the, the, the atmosphere and, and the air definitely. So but that is I don't know. is an internet connection unstable. Yeah, it looks like is that oh, mine or yours. I think we're good there. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, I can hear you fine. Perfect. Um, as far as you also mentioned, um, you have a documentary, something Home Revolution. Homegrown Revolution. So it's a short documentary. We did that in 2007. It's on YouTube. You can look it up. It. We did it um, on just. It was just. We just slapped it together because my dad was giving. Um, so UCLA at that time had Peter Sellers, and he wanted. A, he had Michael Pollan as a guest speaker. Oh. And he asked my dad to kind of in, be the, the uh, what do they call that, intro speaker to Michael Pollan, the main speaker. And so it was a night class and my dad said, hey, you know, I'm just going to talk, blah, 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 what we do. Just why don't we just show what we did <clears throat> and, and put music to it and show the kids what we do here. So my sister did do that. She um, put it together. We showed it. The kids loved it. And then we put it on YouTube. <clears throat> and then uh, a couple months later, we got a call from a lady said, we want to show your film on at our uh, film festival up in Grass Valley that was sponsored by Patagonia. And we're like, what film? She said, the one on YouTube. We said, it's not a film. She said, oh yeah, it is. So <laughs> but we said, oh, it was all, so, but we said, oh, but it's a lot of like, we took other people's, like we took the New York Times piece and we took CBS piece and kind of like mashed it into like an infomercial. And we said, we can't show that because it's like copy, you know, that's somebody else's stuff. So she said, okay, reshoot it <laughs> and, and then submit it. So we're like, okay. So we kind of reshot it, submit it. And that's, that's the one that you see online. It awesome. won a lot of awards, won around the world. It was shown on Oprah uh, in 2009 for her Earth Day special on her, on her show. So yeah, cool. it's, uh, we call it the little film that could. And we traveled with it. We went to India because they, they featured it in their film festival. We, went to India with it and the people loved it. It got standing ovations I've had wow. and people were crying at the end of it, um, coming up to us and just were t- very touched by the film. And so it touched a lot of people, inspired a lot of people. So that film, yeah, it, it did inspire, I think a lot of people to just grow something. Right. Absolutely. So have you ever heard of horticultural therapy? I have heard of it. Yes. Yeah, I interviewed someone who uses plants for people who have had strokes and different things like that. He lives in New York. 
it's really fascinating. So I started using, I'm a family practice doctor. Mm -hmm. And so I started using it with my own patients, Mm -hmm. clients and bringing greenery into their home. It's really cool helping Mm -hmm. with depression and anxiety. And have you noticed like when you leave, because you said you traveled to India, and I'm sure you go other places uh-huh. that when you come home, you do feel more relaxed and more at home, or even with all of the busyness and stuff that you have going on. Yeah, that's a good point. So yes, life, especially now I'm busy and it's stressful, but I find that because of the beauty and the plants surrounding me, I'm yeah. able to like I'll be on the computer stress or with the meetings, but then you just have to walk outside and you see a beautiful flower or you see until your stuff level goes down. So I'm able to cope in a sense Mm. where maybe I wouldn't be able to with, I'd have to resort to something else, Mm. you know, pills or whatever, but that it's a coping mechanism of having greenery around and having beauty around. And I, I've had a conversation, wow, this must have been 15 years ago with a gentleman who was young. It was my, probably my age or whatever. And he's like, man, you know, he didn't say it wasn't, he said some, wasn't very, it was very explicit. You know, the world is done and then, and then, you know, and I don't feel like living, you know, this, you know, uh, you know, he just was very like, you know, very mm-hmm. now it's like, how do you get out of bed? I, in the morning, I can't get out of bed. And I said, you know what? I'm, I understand you because sometimes it is heavy. It's heavy. It's heavy. Like, okay, you know, what is the future of the planet? It's a, it's a heaviness. Sometimes it's just what you see around you. Um, but I said, you know what? I can't be in that state because the chickens don't care if you're depressed. <laughs> they just know that you need to feed them now. Let them out and you need to feed them now. The plants don't care if you're depressed. You need to water them and harvest them. So that gets you out of your sort of state mm-hmm. of, you know, centered, you know, and so that gets me out of, oh, you know, today or man, I'm so stressed. It's, 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 you have to just kind of pop yourself out and say, oh, the chickens need to be taken care of. And so that helps you. Doesn't, it doesn't mask the situation, but it helps you kind of go through the day um, mm-hmm. and, and deal with that. So. That's exactly right. So I interviewed a young woman named Summerine Oaks. She's a model in New York and she lives in this little tiny space. And I think the last count I heard was 1800 plants in her little tiny apartment. And she studied, um, I don't know if she's botany or something when she was in school in college and she's got all this way of watering and it's just like moving meditation. And she had a chicken in her apartment mm-hmm. as her pet. And mm-hmm. but she wrote a book called how to make a plant love you. Mm-hmm. And people were following her on YouTube and stuff. And they were just writing, just like you described. It's like, you know, the plants looking at me, <laughs> the people said mm-hmm. like, if they're anxious or depressed and they're like, they, people feel compelled to get up and take mm-hmm. care of something, which yep. taking care of something and seeing something flourish mm-hmm. makes mm-hmm. them themselves feel better. Yes. It's exactly what you're describing. Totally agree. Yeah, it does <laughs> help. It does help, and now I think we need it more than ever. It's yeah. you know we need that green space in cities. We need that nurturing space and see that grounding where we can walk barefoot. We can we can mm. smell a flower. We can see a ladybug. We can hear the clicking the tick, that of the hummingbirds that you you know that just that moment that you might be just oh, you know and then you hear that hummingbird come through and then you're just you're taken away for that bit and that helps I think. Um, yeah, I know that thing. I know it helps. 
Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, my, so my three kids are in their twenties. So my oldest is 20, she'll be 26 on Monday. And I started talking to her cause she's in medical school as well. And I was like talking to her about, you know, using plants for her family. <laughs> I'm always telling her things. Mm-hmm. She's like, whatever mom. But she's like, yeah, there's a lot of my friends who want to have plants and greenery in their own apartment because when they get stressed, it's like a way of de-stressing, um, you know, these poor medical students. And I was like, this is so cool to see this younger generation just kind of take on all these things. And it just, and I have hope. (laughs) These millennials, they they give me hope. (laughs) Yeah. You've seen it. You've seen it. It works in prisons. It It it, does. It changes. And especially if you, you know, even to the, you know, to the prison where they actually, I mean, if you see the flowers and you're in prison and you go out and you garden and you see zinnias blooming and stuff, yeah, and it's just like I mean that must give them so much joy and calm. It kind of, kind Peace. of calms you down a little bit. And then yeah. actually, you can grow that tomato and the and they eat it and then the crop they eat. I mean, I think it's it's a whole wellness thing. It's Absolutely. it's you know, and they have hashtag to root hands in the dirt is is I think they say increases good microbes increases your stress. So. And you got the microbes that yeah. you're eating, your fiber. There's inflammation that occurs. You know the eating process is if you eat healthy whole mm-hmm. foods whole yeah. organic foods that will help decrease inflammation and there was a actually it was in california um there was a prison that actually was feeding their population a, a plant-based diet and they saw a very low uh rate where people would go out and come back and they had a very low um violent rate which is incredible but of course you know lack of funding and they closed unfortunately really interesting stuff. Um, what is your favorite thing to do at the, at the farm? Like things that you just enjoy so much, not stressful, but just like, I just look forward to doing that every day. I still, I mean, I, it's, I love, I love interacting with the people. I love cooking. Um, I, I, I enjoy, like I make the marmalades, even though I made marmalades so many times, I still enjoy (laughs) making that marmalade and having it on a warm toast. Uh, I still enjoy that. I enjoy making the programs up for, you know, like what we're going to do, especially with the nonprofit, um, coming up with ideas, uh, our programs, what it does entail. I enjoy that. I enjoy developing, creating. Um, so I guess you could say I, I, I like the creative part of where we're growing on this and, and stuff like that. And then personally, I mean, we're so close. We're in Pasadena. We're so close to the, the Royal Seiko, if people are familiar with Pasadena, it's a beautiful, comes down from the mountains, a swath of just nature trails. It's five minutes from our home. I just love going there, hiking. I love music, go to concerts with my friends, go hear my friends perform. Do um, I'm involved in like an incubated art studio who are trying to reclaim this the city by, you know, taking warehouse space and, and being involved in that. Um, going to art night in Pasadena and seeing that going there, um, going to Hollywood bowl, seeing people. So I get out and, and I enjoy music. I'm really, I love to see people perform live. That's one of my things and, and hiking in nature. So nature and music performance. That's my, that's my thing, I guess. <laughs> cool. And, uh, sounds like you're a teacher at heart, like your dad. I, yeah, I guess they say that. Um, yeah, when I get in, when I get in the zone, I'm very, huh, very, I have social anxiety, um, but when I, when I connect and I'm in that zone, I, I, I enjoy it. Awesome. 
That's fantastic. So as for, let's say there's someone who listens to this and they're just like, because like when I found you guys, there was so yeah. many ideas. <laughs> you just Like you can be overwhelmed with like all the things you could possibly do. Mm-hmm. What do you, what advice do you give to someone like that little girl who comes through or a parent and like, oh, my kid's so excited. What's the one thing that maybe someone can do simply and, you know, that maybe can't take on what you've done, <laughs> but can bring a little bit of the, you know, the urban hope set into their own home? Yeah. Good question. So when we give the, the, the talks to the kids and stuff, I say, there's one thing that you can do that doesn't cost you anything. So conserve doesn't cost mm. a dime. So if we can, if each of us conserve, you don't have to go buy solar panels. You don't have to go, you know, grow your own food. We can just all conserve. Mm. Um, that's one thing. And, and if you can't grow your food or some of your food, support a farmer that it does support those people that are doing it. That's another thing. And, um, just be, I just think that if we can just become conscious consumers, because we as humans have, we are, we consume, that's just the way, the fact of life. We're going to consume the water, we're going to consume food, we're going to consume resources and, and so forth and so on. We just be conscious of where it's coming from. Do I need, you know, can I re, can I use this, you know, wear this out, use it up, make do in, in this, you know, re, in this throwaway society where everything's 24 seven, I think we just have to take a step back and just be aware of where things come from, how our, our actions have impact. And yeah. if we just do small steps, we're not, everybody can't do what we're doing. That's for sure. <laughs> but if we have all small steps, if everyone had a small step, we would have a big impact. So I think it's just that consciousness and awareness of if we ever, if we just kind of come to that thing and everybody if it creates a ripple effect, then hopefully it starts to, it starts a movement. So basically, yeah, you're right. You're just being mindful of everyday choices that mm-hmm. collectively will have a large impact. I think that's, yeah, it is. Cause you know, nice. you know, solar panels cost money. Not everybody has that things. And, you know, we were blessed that we, the city of Pasadena rebated us the solar panel. So a lot of things that we did, we were, so the city of Pasadena rebated a lot of this stuff and encouraged it. So for us at all our expense. So that was very helpful. And if your city, you know, encourage your city officials to do the same, tell them to look yeah. at the city of Pasadena and say, hey, this city is trying to help their citizens, their residents become a greener city. Mm. And, um, and uh, yeah, and um by example, I think, and showing by example, living by example, doing by example. Right, absolutely. And just getting involved with community gardens or your exactly. CSA, your local. Or your community, so have put, a, put, a, put a garden in your school or awesome. go harvest your neighbor's lemons and say, hey, I'll make you marmalade with it. <laughs> you know, so I just think it's just stepping outside, going outside and, 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 and reconnecting to home, have, have meals that were, you know, Make, make a meal at home from scratch, maybe, mm-hmm. and share it with your family and friends. Invite people over for potluck on a Friday night and, and, and sing, you know, and singing Absolutely. is important. Singing is very important. Singing, I believe, is another a part of, of just expression of mm-hmm. singing when there's joy. Um, and, and I went to a, um, I had gone to a Friday night uh, Sabbath service uh, down here. And the rabbi, Susan, she was like, what is your song? What is your song for today? You know, and I was like, because 
and I was like, yeah, what is our song for today? We don't think about that. It's right. We, we, we write things or we tell things or, but it's about singing and expressing that. So I think, um, I think singing and, and music has a lot to do with farming. I think they go hand in hand. I'm, and I do want to bring the music fence back um, to the homestead, hopefully. Awesome. We're shooting for spring to have the hoot nannies back. Um, Nanny, so love that. It is. A, it is a magical. <laughs> it's a magical experience. Good food, music, song. Oh wow! I think um, that, that's a perfect world. <laughs> Honestly, I would just come to Pasadena just to come visit you guys. Well, you should. You should. <laughs> you should. We have people visiting all the time, so yeah, it's fantastic. The yeah. hoot nannies, it's fantastic. But I think it's harmony, right? So the the music is harmony. Yeah. It, the, your nature is harmony. You bring them together. It's just compounding each other. It is. It's, yeah. it's it is definitely synergistic. But you I mean you see little kids that are like a year old and they're they already have a rhythm when they hear music. It did. I mean, and then that's a it it goes back to the primal cultures of mm. music and dance expression. I think we just lost that. We've had the, the you know, the, the barn dances, the harvest festivals, mm. that it wasn't just the food. There was a right. whole encompassing culture around the food, the harvest. Right. So right. It, it's, I, I think there, it's a very powerful connection between the two. I, I absolutely. Yeah. I never really thought about that, but it's, you're absolutely right, correct. Yeah, I think it is. definitely fantastic yeah. well there's like i said i could keep talking to you forever well you can help me back i'm here <laughs> bless your heart it took us a while to get this my life was a little crazy last year but um but it was so wonderful speaking to you and i really if i i go to california fairly regularly i mean <laughs> the combined see you guys yeah sure. i'll call in advance make sure you're open but um it's a it's pretty incredible what you're doing and i'll put all the links and everything and you know, a, a link to your, um, your documentary, which I'm excited to watch. Yeah. And uh, thank you again so much for your time and what you're, you're doing. Yeah. I think you're, you're going to have an impact well beyond what you guys ever imagined. I mean, just everyone that comes through there and your message and hope and it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that's what, and that's, I'm glad you said that. And not only growing community, I think we're growing hope. I think that's oh, yeah. what we need is is hope is hope for the future hope for ourselves hope for just and growing hope so this is our hope and inspiration that we that we just we feel that we just want to share so absolutely well i i think you have done a very nice job of it and i can't wait to see where you guys go in the future i can't wait to hear about your hoot nannies <laughs>